looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my God. Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Ah, oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Hi there, this is Barbie Wilde. I'm best known for playing the female Cenobite in Hellbound Hellraiser 2. You're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Cherry Hill, New Jersey, up from Florida again, which is just as human. What the hell was I thinking? Uh, 
But anyway, we are sitting here at Monster Mania out by the pool, uh, waiting for our martinis with <laughs> Canadian-born British actress, Barbie Wilde. Now, Barbie is best known for being a Cenobite in the Hellraiser series. However, and doing some research, you know, like I was saying there before we start recording, being able to read and write and doing some homework there. I think you're the first mime I've ever had on in seven years. <laughs> I'm actually doing mime, but you guys can't see it. No, it's just, you know, padding imaginary walls was um, something I was doing when I first moved to the UK back in the 70s because I went to mime class and met um, uh, my partner, who was my partner for four years, Tim Dry, yes. whose um, claim to fame is that he played um, a couple different characters in the third Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi, and he was the monster in Extra. I don't know if you've seen it. I've the first video uh, I've seen parts, yes. And we were part of the largest um, professional mime company in the UK. Silence, correct? Silence, that oh, good, yeah. And then we did something called Dry drawing in space and then we met a guy called Robert Perino and his um, girlfriend L.A. Richards and they saw us doing our mime and they were sort of disco dancing and said why don't we combine forces and we had a couple other people join us and we became a group called Shock and we did mime and music we had a recording deal with RCA and released a couple of singles and uh, got a lot of publicity and supported people like Gary Newman and Adam and the Ants, Pash Mode, yeah, and it was it was a, a wonderful, you know, early '80s. I was on the cover of Avant Garde Hair, with <laughs> my blue hair, and it was, um, you know, it was an enormous amount of fun. But then we sort of spectacularly split up, and Tim and his sort of mind partner Sean went on to do something called Tick and Talk, and they were on British TV and did a lot of stuff. Now is this where? And then I I went tried a singing career didn't work out so we turned to acting so uh you mentioned tick there yeah and i was who is tick? yeah tick yes dry. well i was going to mention would this be the one routine because i actually had it pulled up earlier but my wi-fi ain't working out here beautiful english i know folks yeah. so there was a bit you did as a mind in space. Would that be the tick that I'm thinking? Yes, yes. We were a robotic, very famous, it's a TV show called Seeing and Doing. And uh, we became, we were a robotic cleaning crew. Yes. And I looked magnificent in pink lycra. And he was wearing this pink sort of, um, uh, you know, boiler suit. I don't know what they can call them over here anymore. But uh, no, that was that was just thing. And also, but you know, one of my major claims to fame, other than Hellraiser and Death Wish Three, was that I um, was on a kids' TV show with um, another girl. We called ourselves Technical Glamour, and this is like one of the most famous TV shows in the UK. It's called Sooty, mm -hmm. and Sooty was a little puppet. And we taught Sooty, Sweep, and the third one, uh, these little hand puppets, how to robotically mime. And it's a really cute thing. But I got more recognition for that well, than supporting Gary Newman at Wembley. Well, I'm thinking of the other bit. And I, it's funny because the videos I had pulled and ready to actually uh, show you, you actually posted. The, video, yeah, the second yeah. video that I'm thinking of and had pulled was 
the old uh, bit from the 80s song. Uh, Putting on the Ritz? Thank you. They put it on the Ritz. Yes, it was in my so, notes here. Yes, I the other thing that I did. In the pink dress, blue hair again, yes. folks. It was a pink clown costume, yes. actually. <laughs> it seemed like such a good idea. It was the 80s. And that was with very venerable comedians called Morton and White. They're enormous in the UK. And, um, you know, uh, it was so much fun doing that routine. And they were just really adorable. And then I ended up doing some promotional things with them later, a couple years later. And um, just, they were so much fun to work with. Now, obviously for most folks, and I get it a little bit, but I'm not very well schooled in it. Uh, differences in British comedy to American comedy. Oh, yeah. And certain <laughs> folk, yeah, there's big differences, folks. Uh, and most people here in America would, when you think British comedy, uh, think of uh, somebody like a Benny Hill. But where yes. would, yes, and I'm familiar with the duo. I would, personally, I would say they're almost like the 80s version of an old duo we had in America called Abbott and Costello. Oh yeah. yeah. So where, would, well. where would you yeah where yeah. would you rank th these gentlemen as far as uh, when it comes to British comedy and where they where they peck? I would history? say that it was God, it's so difficult. Um, and obviously everybody's opinion is different. But. Sure, Mark and Wise. Would I put them at? I mean, I suppose in many ways Abbott and Costello because they're a duo. Yeah. I can't really think of any American duos other than Abbott and Costello. But that's why, yeah, I use that reference. Yeah, there to... yeah. Um, but it is very much like that. But they were sort of more almost like mime artists. Uh, but the, with Eric and Ernie, they were just really very funny, very, um, you know, used language brightly. I mean, they had everybody on their show. I mean, Peter Cushing, the horror icon, continually came back um, on the show demanding his 20 pound retainer fee and all this sort of stuff. So it was, um, I can't tell you how big they were. They were on the TV for like eight to 10 years or something. Yeah. They were massive and they did movies as well. Well, so. and you said it there before we get into the horror genre here. Uh, and it works with any kind of comedy, I would think, whether you're talking the British comedy, American comedy, wherever you're at. In whatever style you're performing, being very articulate with the words is key. Yeah. And how you play with the words mm -hmm. to make the topic you're working on funny. Uh, would you agree with that? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I but, but there you know you get comedians like Mr. Bean who never says anything, and um, he's comedy, you know yeah. he's physical comedy, and that's that's very much like you know the comedians like Buster Keaton. Love him. I had such a huge crush on him after seeing the general, Harold Langdon, all these people who were actually they didn't use any words at all. It was all like physical comedy and and the scenarios that they um, used. But uh, I prefer, I'm I'm obviously I, I love the sort of if you can create language and make funny jokes and stuff like that. That's you know one of my favorite comedians uh, who sadly passed away is Bill Hicks. Yes. And he's, he, to me, I just never saw anybody like him. Bill uh, was a unique bird, and I mean that would all Really, really unique. And when you think, rates. even though he died at 33, I think, he, he had been working for 20 years. He, he started doing stand-up when he was 13. 
which is amazing. Yeah. But he was special. He just, his, his take on the world was so unique. Now, most comics and folks in the entertainment ones, in, or I should say in the entertainment world, mm -hmm. successful ones like that, many people don't realize how bright they are yeah. to what's going on around, whether it be news or however, you know, because obviously you got to study a lot of what's going on in the world to be on, on the pulse of things. Yeah. Well, I think that's why, you know, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here, and um, but, you know, that's... I read a lot, I watch a lot of news and all this sort of stuff, so when I was writing my books, and you know, I did a lot of research, especially for the serial killer one, because um, I wanted it to be real. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of like, I mean, the finest actors always do a huge amount of research uh, to, to, you know, and even actually um, go through training to be an astronaut or do scuba diving or something like that so they know what they're they're doing and they feel comfortable with it and they look like they are real scuba divers or you know astronauts, astronauts whatever the like case that, may be whatever the case may be so it's all part of the sort of process of acting although there's nothing to, to prepare you yeah for being a demon from hell no but uh <laughs> you know you brought up the books real quick and that brings up something I was thinking about, too, because you've done acting, you've done mind work, you've done writing, you've, you know, you've hosted music TV shows, you know, over in the UK and such. With all the different mediums you've done, do you get joy out of one particular medium compared to another? I absolutely think that... Uh, you know, if you're a bit of a power-hungry maniac like yourself, um, I'm creating my own worlds by my writing, and that's a wonderful feeling. And when it works well, it's really great. When it doesn't work well, when you have writer's block, it's it's torture. But I think that, you know, I did some acting, um, uh, it's always a couple of years ago now, for this TV series called Dark Ditties, and I'm going to be doing another um, episode this autumn. And I was, I hadn't acted in 17 years. And it was like, oh no, this is going to be really scary. But it was fun. It was great. We had a lovely time. I froze my toes off, but uh, we were in this old abbey. Um, but it was great to be back. But I, I, I do love writing and, and writing scripts and stuff like that, because I think that that's something, it's very creative. And as an actor, you're, of course, you have to create the character. But you're still, these are someone else's words and ideas and stuff. And that's that's what I like but about But do you it. get the same creative energy as far as like, like, we'll say, we'll use Hellraiser here, which is what you hear from Monster Mania for, most people know you for. Yeah. But do you get that same performer's energy? You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm getting ready to do take one, take two, compared to oh, no, I mean, writing, because you don't get that instant. The terror is not there. <laughs> But no. The adrenaline isn't there, but yeah. when you finish something and you go, oh my God, this really works, and then you read it to your ideal reader, I'm lucky enough to have my husband, and he goes, wow, that's his reaction, then you think, yes, this is working. It's a much quieter kind of thing, but um, when you go through the hell of, of it, it's all to, to do with like how do you motivate yourself, and that's very difficult. But uh, one of my favorite movies is uh, Galaxy Quest. 
because okay. I'm a Star Trek fan. And um, it, um, Commander Taggart says to his crew, we must never give up, never surrender. And that's when you're, you're doing something self-motivating, like writing, like anything, directing or trying to create something, you have got to never give up and you never surrender. And I've got some a lot of work to do, but it's sort of like, you know, the, the world gets in its my way sometimes, and I let it. And you know, the passion you have to keep that passion aflame, you know, on fire because otherwise, it's it's very difficult to continue because you think, oh, will anybody ever read my book? But you know, I'm just getting on from my serial killer book, which is called The Venus Complex. We will put a link to Amazon. <laughs> underneath on the YouTube version and in the email blast as well too so yeah I mean the, the, just just as another plug <laughs> yeah no it's plug. fine um, it, when Doug Bradley who plays um, Pinhead or the lead son of Ida, or whatever you want to call him Hell Priest um, he he did the audiobook of the Venus Complex and it's basically a diary of a serial killer from the male viewpoint exploring his sexual fantasies and Doug did such a magnificent job. I would say smoothly sinister or something, one of the reviews said. And that was so exciting to me because I've been dreaming of somebody making a movie of the Venus Complex. But hearing Doug's voice, because it was always me reading it out, and I'm just this like little blonde lady reading out this, yeah. you know, this is a guy. And hearing his performance of it was just enrapturing. And you think this is the next step to a movie or something happening like this. And that's the funny thing is, uh, I met Doug and we had him on briefly for a few minutes. Then he had an appearance in Atlantic City mm -hmm. several years ago. And I don't know what it is. Very intelligent man. But the Doug, there's just something about the man that's so intriguing. And that, like you said, the articulate, yeah. being articulate, the voice, it's you're, there's just something about the man that I don't know what it is. It's, it's like, called charisma. Yeah. And he's a brilliant actor and an incredibly intelligent person. He gave me $15 to say that. No, he didn't really. <laughs> Who knows? He, he, the check he bounce, is, folks. No, oh, we're no, kidding, we're no, kidding, no, we're kidding. No, but he is, he's very intelligent. When we were, I was basically directing him. He would come in with queries, and I would say, you know, do it for safety of that. But for, for the most part, I really didn't need to. Because he was just so spot on. I, I would listen to him. And um, he also did a huge amount of, hey, you know, that spelled wrong. No, you actually did that wrong. And I was like, oh, my God. He's a better editor than my editor. Bless her, who's wonderful. But, um, you know, it's uh, he he's very, very, it, the performance he gives is based in his intelligence and realizing that the, the male character that I created, Michael Friday, was also a very intelligent serial killer. But when I was interviewing a police detective in New York, he just finished a serial killer case, you know, and this guy was dumb as a sack of hair, right? <laughs> he was caught after like three killings, you know. And it, it's interesting because it's sort of amongst, the you know, serial killers are amongst the population. You only get about five or 10% of ones that are just fiendishly clever. And there are no Hannibal Lecters, yeah. uh, really. But, um, you know, but sometimes because of whatever problems, they, they do escape capture for many, many, many years. Uh, but those are the ones that are in that top percentile. Yeah. Unless the other ones get caught fairly rapidly because they're, uh, they just don't, 
I haven't watched enough Hawaii Five O episodes to know that fingerprints matter. Yeah, go figure. In 2019, you know. <laughs> okay. But you know, let's go over to uh, Hellraiser because don't want to spend too hot or too much time out here in the heat. Yes, I'm, I'm rather melting, melting. Yeah, yeah, we'll put the clip of uh, Wicked Witch in there. Uh, <laughs> what the hell? So. Uh, Obviously, Clive Barker's here at the event as well, yeah. and fabulous writer, creator of many different genres like yourself. But when you were, and you were a part of too, Hellbound, but when you see the script, and obviously probably seen the first movie prior to filming and get ready to go, what is your take on, what was your take, I should say, on the project then and what's your take on it now all these years later well it's interesting because everybody went to see Hellraiser because a lot of fuss was made you know Stephen King said you know I've seen the future for him Clive Barker and I was so disturbed by this film and I was like whoa this is really odd oh my god Cenobites ah you know and I went so when the call came a year later I nearly didn't go to the audition I said I don't want to be in this movie a I thought I was going to be playing the chatter and I hate mask work I did some mask work um in in when I was in my mime days and I thought oh I don't want to play a it's really creepy looking and be claustrophobic and they said no 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 it's for the female Cenobite I went oh okay but then my friend Jeff, God bless him, he said, oh, go on, Barbie. 20 years from now, they'll be writing books about Chuck. Barbie Wilde, Queen of the Bee movies, because I had done the film with, you know, all my movies have numbers after the titles. So I went to the audition, and um, I, I, you know, had a chat to Tony Randall, and I got the part. I'm not quite sure why. It could have been my mime training, because they have a feeling that people who are trained in mime are, a, it's all about the stillness. It's not about the movement. Uh, but also, you know, they're more long-suffering under the, the makeup, which isn't necessarily true in my case. But um, I think that the seeing one and two especially, and to be honest, I haven't seen any of the other ones, um, I feel that they are extraordinary works. I think Clyde is a genius. But what I love about... Um, and one of the titles, they, they said, oh, we're not so sure about, you know, the Hellbound Heart and what can we call it, you know, Hellraiser or whatever. And, and Clive said, um, why don't we just call it Sadomasochists from Hell? And you have, you have to admit, he, yeah, but he created a new kind of monster. Not everybody can do that that has any lasting ability. The Cenobites are a new kind of monster. But, of course, the real monsters are Julia and Frank, you know. And I think in the character of Julia, Clive created this diva of horror who is a, a, a master class. You know, I just, Doug was actually talking about watching, um, he, he was actually, on a motorcycle. Yeah, oh my God. Guy there. He, he's actually was um, uh, asked to read with Claire. And she, you know, the scene where she's like killing the, the guys to give Frank their skin and stuff. Yeah. She felt this whoosh as the hammer went past his head. He looked up and Clive was going, she's, she's got the part. And it's like the, 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 the hammer missed her by that much. But she was like, you know, in her element of passion yeah. and stuff. I think it holds up very well. I mean, maybe people perhaps don't 
they're not that maybe convinced by the physical effects, but they certainly were taught of the, the mark at that time. But I think it's the story that really, really continues on and is um, absolutely a, it's timeless. And that's why people are here to see us 31 years later or 32 years later in the case of Hellraiser. And I think it's, it's wonderful. I mean, I have people coming up and saying, you scared the hell out of me when I was eight years old. And you know what I say to them? What were your parents thinking of? <laughs> There's a lot of acid stuff in here, yeah. you know. But it is, you know, it is wonderful that, you know, people are still intrigued by these films all these years later. And it's, they're not quite as intrigued by my, my fabulous performance as a female mugger in Deadly 3, I wonder why. But, you know, it's not, it, these are iconic characters. And it's, it is magical. Yeah, last question since we're at a convention. And <laughs> I'm sure you've seen many a thing. Strangest thing you ever signed at a convention. Oh. Oh, gosh. That's a... The thing that... that hey, there was... Okay, two things. One was this sort of rather massive uh, lament configuration lampshade, which was kind of, wow, I wouldn't mind that. And then somebody else brought up... Um, the actually from photographs and made one of my knives and I signed it and I went wow can I keep it and he went no he's not <laughs> going to be selling them on the internet and I went oh but um, I, that's the last thing I can think of they are, those are the two things that that oh I actually signed somebody's leg does that count yeah, no <laughs> because that was just had, one of those that they, they got had, a tattoo yeah afterwards. they had a tattoo of me and they said could you sign it and I was like okay Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that done too as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was nice because they were so dedicated. So. Well, Barbie, uh, website, social media, anything like that? Do you have? Uh, do you so care to share? Twitter is at Barbie Wild. My Facebook page is at Barbie Wild. Or there's Barbie Wild author and actress. There's a page for the Venus Complex. And by Barbie Wild, and there's also a page for my short horror story collection, which contains three female certified stories called Voices of the Damned. That's also on Facebook. And of course, I have my website, which is languishing a little bit because I'm a bit of a social media bug. Yeah, well, we'll put links to everything uh, under the public uh, form of this. So, thank Barbie, you. thank you so much. Thank you. It's a delight talking to you. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shot suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, 
Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, this is Doug Bradley, Pinhead from the Hellraiser movies, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. And you better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. 